This is the More Than Fitness Podcast with Matt McLeod. Thanks for joining me, dude. I uh, I knew that um, I knew that after we we started following each other after, which is crazy because we didn't even know each other before we met in New York that one time with uh, with with Roman. So that's where me and Sam met was um, in NYC for an event for John Romanello, and I didn't even know Sam at the time. Uh, and then we kind of you know hit it off there and 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 chatted and things, and then we connected on social media and. Uh, here we are. Here we are, man. Well, I'm appreciative to be here. Uh, I know it was it was kind of fun experiencing. I, I personally think a lot of the people I've podcasted with, I've met at in-person events, and it's really nice to kind of continue that off Instagram. Like some of my best, some of my best Instagram relationships also then later went to exist off of social media, or they, you know, it kind of preceded social media. So it was really cool to. Uh, be involved with that and you know i think yeah so that would have been what was that maybe december january yeah of, right of la- yeah either december of last year or january of this year right right like seven or eight months ago mm-hmm. yeah i know it feels it feels like it was just yesterday to be honest um, flies. i know right but yeah yeah i think it is it is a uh, uh this is one cool part about the the job that we have because we can obviously our, our careers you know revolve around the online space but whenever we do want to uh, um, extend the communication and have more of these types of conversations. We have the luxury of being able to do it, but also uh, um, being able to do it and also helping other people at the same time with with podcasts and things like these. So, you know, it's it's cool. Very, very cool. I, uh, podcasting is actually one of my favorite platforms personally. Uh, the opportunity for long form content outside of Instagram, aside from just being like a YouTuber, I think a podcast podcasts are a nice conversational platform and I've really been enjoying getting an experience like the different different shows, different questions, different hosts. And so that's why I was definitely excited to do kind of the more than fitness theme that we've got going. Uh, I got to do something sort somewhat, I'd, I'd say in a similar lens with, with Austin, who's kind of a mutual friend of ours. And that was a conversation that I really enjoyed. So definitely appreciate having the opportunity to not be limited to like a one minute or 15 second Instagram <laughs> clip and, and chat with you a little bit longer. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think, uh, Austin is a, is another one. We're just, whenever you, whenever you click with certain people, you can just kind of tell either through reading their writing or, um, meeting them in person or, or whatever. But I feel like there's a certain, uh, wavelength that, that certain people are on. And, um, not that it's a, a better wavelength than others, but it's just, you know, you, you vibe with certain people. And I feel like after I looked into your stuff and, uh, obviously talked to you in person, I just, I feel like you were on that wavelength that understood how important fitness is in someone's life, but also, uh, how the other variables in life, uh, uh and other pillars of life are, are also important. Definitely. I mean, that's one of the top things that comes up right now in both clients I've worked with and some of the coaches I work with as well as we forget this entire side of, um, of really life, but also the fitness industry in general, you know, most people are coming to a dietitian like yourself or a personal trainer, or it could be a CrossFit coach. It could be a strength coach, powerlifting coach, bodybuilding coach. They come to our community with a physical goal, right? They, they either want abs or maybe they want bigger arms 
or it could be longevity. Maybe they went to, they had a rough doctor's appointment and they're worried about their long-term health. But really all of those physical goals are ultimately preceded by uh, number one is our physiology, which I talk a lot about in my content, but also equal to that in no particular order would be, you know, our daily practices that we have, our routines and rituals and habits, and then our perceptions, which is why I really, really love podcasting. You can get more into the mindset element of everything. And so whether that's having a growth mindset, uh, positive self-talk, being able to, you know, control your thoughts and your mindset and your transformation, that perception is huge. And that goes both with our relationship with ourselves, uh, but also, you know, our relationship with exercise. There's definitely examples online of, of unhealthy examples of too much or too, you know, too little exercise. Same thing with food. You know, we, we have entire eating disorders and, and culture based around like unhealthy food perceptions. So a big part of the message that I'm trying to share with folks is yes, we have this physical goal, but ultimately to attain that and for it to be sustainable, we really have to walk through this process of like figuring out, okay, what are these, what daily practices and weekly practices do I need in place? You know, as a whole, what is my current perception, both of myself and of my fitness journey and, and those around me and my relationships and my community, because I think community and relationships are a big part that get kind of lost in physical transformations, because ultimately those things are what's going to bring us to the, the physiology that we need. And whether that's, you know, uh, being able to burn fat or have a good hormone profile, be able to sleep uh, and then ultimately get us to, okay, you want to lose two dress sizes or you want to have abs or bigger arms, whatever it may be on that physical side of the spectrum. So I uh, definitely think that uh, that's something that's, that's overlooked at that time at times is that perception piece or mindset piece. Right, right. A hundred percent. And I, one, one thing that I've been trying to steer my content and, and coaching and just everything that I do is I feel like a lot of fitness sites and coaches and trainers and things like that tell people what to do uh, as far as the, uh, you know, eat this much protein per day, uh, you know, hit these exercises on these days. They, they tell people what to do, but they don't tell people how to do them. And I think this is where like the uh, um, behavioral psychology and, and all that kind of uh, comes into play here. And I and, and like you said, those those habits, those daily routines, those rituals, those are the, the building blocks in order to achieve, uh, you know, eating a certain amount of calories per day. And because a certain, people know what they need to do for the most part on a day to day basis. But as far as doing it, that's a different story. Right. So it's like what I'm curious, what do you as far as uh, um, I know one of your big things that you're you're about is uh, eliminating decision f fatigue and, and, and working with yourself and uh, um uh, eliminating willpower as much as possible through routines and rituals and things like that. What are, so like in the morning, what are some things? Cause I'm sure I know you're a busy dude and uh, you're obviously in great shape and things. So you've, you've got it somewhat figured out. So it's like, what, what do you do um, throughout your day to help uh, in, instill these, these habits and routines and uh, rituals? Sure. So some of these are original. Some of them are not uh, personally, I think, what I noticed, especially as I started to have to like travel for work and things like that, that it can be really helpful to get outside. So whether that's for me, you know, when I'm home, I have my dog. So dog walk is a, a great way to go about that. Uh, but for me, there, there's some consistent parts to the morning, which would be, you know, usually I'm going to grab a little bit of caffeine. I'm usually reading something, whether it's, uh, 
you know, even if I can get a page a day, and then I just like to outline, um, I break it into basically three parts. One is, you know, basically a retrospective view of things that I can be appreciative for. So it's kind of uh, looking in reverse or the rear view mirror. Then I have a very present focus to like, here's what's on tap for my day today. Here's like three to five things like critical tasks, uh, which all sorts of different business minds and fitness people talk about like critical ta three to five critical tasks. Andy Frisella talks about that a lot. Uh, but then, you know, moving to kind of forward pacing or future pacing, I like to take something that I have not yet accomplished and it's future, like it's, it's very forward looking, but I write it in the present tense. Uh, I've started doing that in 2019, basically taking an idea of something that uh, is very important to me, whether it's a value that I'd like to uh, rep be, be more representative of in my daily life, or if it's a, a business goal, uh, I write it in present tense as if I'm currently accomplishing it. And then that's like the third part of my, uh, I, I usually just take like a little notepad and I basically just divide it in three. So there's like the three to five things that were looking back on and reflecting on three to five things that I need to do right now. And then maybe three to five things that I want to accomplish that I'm focusing on that aren't necessarily here yet, but like creating a belief system that, you know, I can actually accomplish it and, and do it. So that's, that's kind of molded and evolved over time. Uh, a lot of times for me right now, based on my stage of life, I think it's very focused on business and relationships. Whereas in the past, uh, when I was really just getting into fitness, you know, part of that list or part of those goals and that mindset work, I'd have to do a lot, like it required a lot more thought, a lot more effort to get into that routine. Whereas right now, like if I don't work out for the majority of the days in a week, I feel off. So you get to a point with your habits where it's like, ultimately, because it's a habit, you don't have to really remind yourself, write it down, do all of those things. But for me, you know, typically I try to include some form of physical activity or movement. And that's, that's just something for me now that, uh, it can very much live on the back burner, even though it's still a priority. It doesn't require a lot of active thought. Um, right. You can, you've became more efficient at it. I feel like that's the same with me. Like I know, uh, a, a, a good idea of what I'm going to do in the gym and I can go in the gym, get it done. And then honestly, for now, the, the gym for me oftentimes has just been like a mood enhancer. Like I go to the gym to feel better after I've gotten a lot of work done for the day and then I'm kind of tired. So I'll go to the gym and then I feel restored right afterwards. Yeah. I've used the gym as almost a break. I mean, one of the most demanding times this spring was I was trying to complete uh, an ebook while also having clients that I interact with daily and then also had some like quite a bit of travel. And one of the best systems for me would be to wake up, kind of go through that routine. I would work for a few hours and then I would go to the gym because what I noticed is if when I go to the gym first thing, it's like, by the time you like eat and shower and like get into your routine, like you've lost, like I'm, I'm fairly productive in the mornings. So yeah, same. I can, I can do it either way, but that like mid morning, midday, almost using a workout as a lunch break seems to be really good for me. And then I'll come back and it, it kind of creates a nice split. And then if I have a lot of phone calls or podcasts and stuff, I'll do that in the afternoon. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm awake, I'm interacting with people, but, um, sort of takes a concept of, you know, there's two books, Deep Work by Cal Newport and The One Thing, um, is I try to, when I'm really 
at my best, I'm definitely dividing my day into sort of these different compartments, one of which is focus time for content and it could be emails, it could be writing. And then there's a focus part of my day after that break where I just try to do calls like back to back to back to back or podcasts or whatever the case may be, because I know that I'm in this different headspace where it's very conversational. It's a lot of interacting task switching, like task it's similar, switching. it's similar yeah. stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. And when you, t- when you switch tasks, you, you lose a lot of downtime between those tasks. So that's something that I've really tried to be cognizant of. Um, I'm certainly not the best at it by any means. I've, I, I think I, I can be streaky with it, but it's something that I've observed and I try to, I try to still be aware of it over time and continue to make progress with it for sure. But I mean, my biggest really, you know, the past past year or so, I guess if I had to draw like two or three things that are just pretty consistent, it's just, you know, having, having a morning routine, keeping that physical activity consistent. And then, uh, I think for me, like planning calendars, lists tend to help, but there's a fine line. I think some people kind of overdo it where they don't allow themselves to be flexible and fluid. And then there's people who underdo it, don't have enough structure and they don't properly estimate like how long stuff is going to take. So I kind of fall in the middle on that third one. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, D- Deep Work. Cal Newport is uh, is one of my all-time favorite man crushes. It's why my my first product that I'm going to be coming out with is, is going to be called The Deep Life. Uh, it's The Deep Life Project, and it's it's kind of tailored towards his uh, uh, whole thesis of, of deep work and a deep life and um, just uh, an enriched experience all, all around. Um, but yeah, with, with, with Deep Work, I've tried to, to do the same things, and I've found that in the mornings, for me, a big thing is momentum. And with momentum, I want to, I, like you said, I want to start off doing something really small that I know um, uh, I can accomplish quickly. And reading is usually one of those things. And obviously, like real quick, I want to take a step back for the people listening. Like we're two o- online coaches and things. We have, we don't have, I'm, I, you don't have any kids, do you? No, no kids. Right. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're two guys, you know, that, that don't have any kids or anything. So some parents are listening. They're like, oh yeah, it must be fucking nice to wake up and do all that shit. Right. Yeah. Um, but, and I understand it's going to, it's going to look different for everyone, but this still doesn't mean that you can't, um, whatever, wake up 15 minutes earlier and do one thing that can help help start the momentum of your day in the right direction as opposed to waking up and being reactive and rushing around the house and doing all sorts of different things. And I would say sometimes the the kids thing, while it's a super legitimate responsibility and by no means, I mean, my brother has my nephews, I have twin nephews, and I definitely see how it influences day to day, whether it's going to getting to school on time or going to a practice after school or after work uh, for basketball, soccer, whatever they're up to at the time. But sometimes kids can be a scapegoat in a way for your goals. And I would really encourage a higher level of self-awareness and personal responsibility over, okay, um, can we enroll your kids in part of the morning routine? Or do they know that while they're eating breakfast, you do this one specific thing in the morning and kids can kind of get into rituals and routines and habits just the way that adults can. It's just a matter of you have to establish it and you have to be very consistent with it. And so, you know, I've seen that, um, you know, my closest pseudo, you know, it's not a parenting example, so-called like pseudo parenting example really is just within my family and, and observing that and, and some of the clients that I have, uh, you know, clients who, who really crave that morning routine either tend to wake up earlier before the kids or you enroll the kids in the routine or you set time like after the kids get on the school bus, it's kind of like you reboot your, like your day starts like 
when they leave, it's really, you have three options. They're either involved in it, it happens before or it happens after. But uh, yeah, not not to take a shot on, at parenting by any means, it's a huge obstacle and, and sort of uh, unique situation that I'm not personally experienced with other than coaching the clients that I have uh, or working with other coaches who do have children and, and then, you know, that family experience and observation. So from that observation, I, I can just drop parallels and patterns in the experience and be like, Hey guys, these three ways seem to be the best, you know, to work through it. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, a hundred percent. And I, yeah, I love what you said about it being a scapegoat. So we always think of certain things in life and we say, oh, well, it must be nice for you to say because I've got this or I've got this or this or, or, or whatever. And um, it's as if, you know, people who, who have kids have never gotten in great shape before or, or been super successful or anything like that. It's like if anybody, uh, you know, it's like what, what Gary Vee talks about or whatever. It's like if anybody that looks like you and that has the same situation as you has accomplished the goals that you're you're going after, it's like you don't really have much of an excuse. It's like you have to at least take the responsibility to take uh, – um, control of your morning and control what you can control. Obviously, you can't control all the variables uh, of whatever's happening, but you can uh, control certain aspects and, and you may have to adapt more than the average person. But again, I think it's taking a step back, you know, taking a breath, uh, uh, recollecting your thoughts and, and what's going on right now and say, like, okay, what's the next best step in this scenario? Right. Right. And I love that you use the word adapt. Uh, I think it's something that, well, one, I almost, you know, Part of my business for a long time was just based on this whole concept of being adaptive uh, in a professional and personal setting. But, you know, our entire, something I talk about a lot, physiology is very adaptive uh, for parents or, you know, like you said, whether it's someone with kids or another responsibility or some scapegoat that they may have, really by adapting to that situation, you're ultimately gaining skills, you're gaining uh you're, you're developing a particular char character traits and values that are going to help you with uh, other goals as well. So your ability to navigate and deal with, okay, your children in the morning before school, that might make you a better leader or manager at work. It might help with your fitness transformation. There's so many, so many things. And that's something that I know, you know, you and I are probably familiar with this author just from uh, having touch points and experience with John, but uh, Ryan Holiday and the obstacle is the way, you know, talks a ton about that. Um, pretty much all of his content is geared, geared towards that. So there's certainly things that'll make it harder for you at times, but you know, I think of, you know, I didn't have kids, but, but there were elements to my transformation that maybe did create some, some boundaries or obstacles or detours. Um, and, and so maybe for, for someone getting into fitness later in life, children play a role in that. But, uh, I think we all have to be adaptive within our own circumstances. It's something that our body is designed to do in a very efficient way. And we just have to be mindful that we're being very strategic and purposeful about it instead of just kind of being reactive to, to what's going on around us. Right. Right. Oh, and another topic that I talk about with my clients and, and I have to uh, deal with as well is, uh, uh, is traveling. And I, I think this is something I definitely want to write, write more on, but what, what are some things, uh, I'm sure you've dealt with it multiple times yourself and with, with clients whenever, whenever they're traveling, uh, as far as their, their fitness goals, do you have any like go-to things that, that you like to tell your clients or that you like to do yourself that helps kind of keep you on track, um, with all that? Sure. Sure. So for travel, I've been playing around with 
depending on whether I'm going to a different time zone or not, I'll, I'll definitely change my like eating times or eating windows. I'm not someone that habitually intermittent fast by any means, but I do notice that, um, you know, on those days sort of prioritizing water hydration and just kind of getting to where I need to be, uh, can be, can be huge. And then eating later, because a lot of times there's not a ton of great airport food. And I got to the point where if you're traveling very frequently, uh, it can be, even if you're the best, uh, most prepared at meal prep, um, in, in the world, it is still a little cumbersome to, to consider like, you know, extra food and everything like that. So I, I would say first, it depends on what your goal is. Um, if you need to create a calorie deficit, then consider, okay, do I know, you know, the meal choice at my hotel that I'm going to, do I know the area? If, if you travel somewhere for work fairly frequently, you should be able to have a pretty good understanding of, uh, of, of, you know, what you need to order, where you need to be, where you need to go. And a lot of times it's like a 10 or $20 difference in hotels to be within walking distance from like a Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or, so I always tell people, you know, scout the area, make it an intelligent and strategic hotel choice, whether you're paying for it or whether your company is paying for it. Uh, you know, use, you know, your, your meals and calories wisely, uh, pack snacks if you need to. And then I usually, you know, I think a lot of it goes into, you kind of have to plan a little bit and prepare. I tend to travel to similar cities and I know what's there. So I can, uh, at least for the first day until I get my bearings and I pick up things that I need, uh, I'm able to sort of navigate on the fly a little bit and, and manage that. So what I typically tell clients is like, all right, let's scout this area. You know, what is your gym situation going to look like? Are you going to be working out? Will you not have time to work out? Sometimes conventions or conferences can be, you know, all day things that are really time consuming. So I try to try to work through that. And then, you know, conversely, if someone's trying to build muscle and they really need extra calories, you know, maybe we, um, you know, use the opportunity to, to eat more or less depending on what's available. Uh, if they're traveling somewhere and they really like the food, okay, cool. Let's like push the calorie surplus a little bit. If you're traveling somewhere and you know, typically, oh, I'm going on the plane. I typically lose my appetite. All right. Maybe we're going to macro cycle and that's like a lower uh, carb day for you. There's just so many ways. I, I think if, if you're not, um, subscribe to like only one belief system and you're okay with using different strategies to help people reach their goals. You just have so many tools in your toolkit with travel that, um, I would just say like the more flexible you are, the less stressed you are. And the more you realize that you can accomplish fitness on the road, uh, the better your chances are. I think you just need to be open-minded to the fact that, you know, what worked for me a year ago may not be what worked for me right now, or just because, I used to be really into paleo or intermittent fasting doesn't mean that that's what I need right now. And travel's the same way. I think you just need to be, um, I guess, keep an open mind to what you might need to be doing, depending on the length of your trip and your goals at that time and, and go from there. But I'd say my most specific things are typically I encourage people, like if you've got room in your bag, like pack a couple things just to get you started. Um, you know, two would be, uh, you know, your location is going to be super important. Now that Uber exists, it's like a little less important because you can like Uber taxi, wherever you kind of need to go. Um, but those are, those are huge. And then, I mean, one of my big travel things is actually unrelated to food or workouts, which I hear a lot on social media, but 
usually if you're in a hotel, you're not sleeping at home, something like, um, you know, earplugs or an eye mask, like things that are going to actually help you sleep better or a white noise app on your phone can be crucial because half the time, the reason that travel can be shitty is lack of sleep. It messes with your appetite and then you want to deviate from your plan. So I think what, you know, I try to instill in my clients and with myself is like, okay, sleep still happens on the road and you know, you're going to make more intelligent decisions. You're going to feel better. You're going to perform better when, when you're still sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I think that's, I think that if there's so, if the, based on your, your regular day to day and your regular routine is if, if you can take as many of those things and carry them over and try and keep them consistent while you're traveling, obviously this could be a few things, but the, the sleep thing is a good example. I, every night I have earplugs and an eye mask. And so whenever I travel, um, it's, it's very easy for me to still fall asleep for the majority of the time, because those two things, um, the, the sound and sight, like I'm, I'm good to go every single time, uh, because I have those things. So if you can carry those habits and routines over, uh, while you travel, that's, that's going to be huge. Or like if you work out in the mornings, if you could wake up early and go for even just a walk, just something that kind of gets you in that same state of mind, uh, kind of reinforces that habit that you've been doing. Um, that can be, that can be huge as well. For sure. Um, I'm curious cause I know that, well, so a lot of people that what they also do where they also mess up with 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 travel is they stress themselves out so much and they try and freak out over every little thing like they're they're being so uh, um, uh, high strung about getting all these little things right that their stress in general is preventing them uh, from from getting gaining the benefits from those things in the first place. So their cortisol and things are so high that they're they're not even getting the benefits of those anyway. Right. Right. Yeah, I I really became a bigger proponent of understanding how food stress and exercise stress influence us. Just even in my own personal transformation, I had like such a significant difference in maintaining a physique when I actually was like less diligent about tracking. And by diligent, also that could mean that you're stressed about it. Um, workouts, I sort of auto-regulated a bit, was a bit more intuitive. And then, um, you know, also had some personal changes as well that kind of reduced my stress load. And not only did I see some pretty crazy body composition improvements, but also, um, in my lab work and my blood work, I saw a substantial difference in tangible quantitative markers, which is crazy because so much in the fitness industry with aesthetics and stuff can be very subjective. So to see some like really objective, uh, information was cool. And I mean, I always reference for people, if you underestimate, the stress and like your mindset when you're eating something or working out. Uh, I think I actually, I think it was Dr. Conover that, that told me this study or, or referenced this, but you know, there there's been research on different cultures and basically their perception or stress around certain foods. And so for our example here, obviously um, we're talking about travel, but you could still think of it as like my food at home versus food on the road. Uh, so the group that they studied, they basically had uh, Norwegian people and uh, then I think it was either Mandarin or a country from Asia, uh, just different Asian folks. And they were either given their indigenous or their culture's food um, or the other culture's food. And then there were two other uh Controls? plates of food. Oh. Yeah. Two other controls. One was either, uh, it was either their like Norwegian food that was blended up or the Asian food that was like blended up. So you couldn't distinguish it. 
and they were these these foods were all equated in terms of like actual nutritional value and uh they basically told people that hey if you're norwegian the norwegian food's better if you're asian the asian food is better for you and what's interesting is only the food that they could recognize as their culture's food um, showed the better outcomes when in fact they ate the same thing that was just like made unrecognizable kind of processed up uh, and they, they received that better outcome so I don't, you know, I don't have the exact like title of that study, heard it through a trusted source, but I'd have to like double check my, mm-hmm. my research it makes on sense, that. Though. It, makes, it sense. makes sense. I mean, it makes sense. And from a mindset perspective, I think we, sometimes we undervalue our perception on things and we like overemphasize this, like these external, um, you know, physical things measures. that we can Yeah. Measures. And, and it's, it's really I think the travel example was a great part of that. Like if you're so, so stressed um, and I, and I totally used to be this person in a way too. Like I was, when I was trying to gain muscle or went from being kind of underweight to, or even overweight to being underweight and then from underweight to trying to gain muscle, um, you know, I was eating frequently and I would like bring stuff and have, have snacks all the time and, and just very like, just, I mean, it's good to be regimented. It's good to have a routine and, and some structure, but also don't like stress out over like a 15 minute difference or like a slight food difference or condiment difference. You know, I've tried to become a lot more laid back with that over time. Um, I think now granted if you're competing or you have like this very, you know, it's okay to have a very like laser focused, you know, all or nothing mindset in some ways, but I think, uh, it's, it's good to be flexible. It's good to be adaptable. It's good to be understanding of, of circumstances and ultimately stressing out isn't stressing out isn't going to change the food that's available to you or when you're getting to eat it it's like i guess it's very much like a stoicism thing just applied to food you know it's like it's like if you can't change it if you can't control it if it's the best possible option all you can really control is like your emotions and being at peace with the decision that you're doing your best given the circumstance and move on like there will be another decision later that day or tomorrow or next week uh, and kind of go from there. Yeah. Stress, worry, anxiety, all of these emotions aren't helpful, right? It's like, it's just not, it's not useful in these situations. And oftentimes if you're so stressed about eating the burger or eating, you know, the, the quote unquote junk food or something, it's like one, you're not even enjoying the food completely. And like, you're so stressed about it already. It's like, if you're going to eat the junk food, just eat the junk food, enjoy it a hundred percent, like with, with no regrets, uh, and then just move on or just try and, uh, you know, avoid it completely, go for a healthier route or whatever. I think whenever you stay in between is whenever you run into trouble. Um, but a, a good example while we were talking about this was, um, an article. Do you know who Derek Sivers is? Yeah, I think I, the name sounds familiar. I'm not like super Close he's been on, he's been on, uh, Tim Ferriss's podcast. He wrote a book called anything you want. He's, he's, um, he's not on social media or anything like that besides I think Twitter. Um, but he, I mentioned him on, I've mentioned him on a few episodes. I, I love Derek Sivers, but he has this article that he wrote on his blog talking about how he would, um, bike through this certain city, uh, every single day and he would time himself and, Every single time he would try and beat his previous score. And so he would, he'd be biking through the city. He'd be trying really hard. He'd be grunting. He'd be sweating. He'd be stressing over like trying to get the fastest time possible. 
every single time he would go, he'd clock in around 43 minutes. And so after a while, he kept doing this and he just couldn't beat his, his previous score. And so he was like, you know what, uh, on this ride, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna enjoy myself. I'm just gonna relax. Uh, uh, and I'm just going to enjoy the scenery around me. And he said he ended up going through the same path and everything, and then came out on the other side. And he ended up only, it was only like 45 minutes. So all of that effort and stress and all of those things that, that happened, uh, you know, it was only for a two minute difference. Right. So it's like doing all of these extra things, uh, are often doing way more harm than good anyway. That's like Pareto's law, right? It's like 20% of our effort yields 80% of the result. And then like 80% of what we're doing is yielding about 20%. So for him, you know, he was really only off by two minutes with that stress. And that's, I mean, that's huge though. Um, you know, I think that we can learn a lot from, from that. I, it's something that I try to talk about a lot is really, because as you grow and as you like shed layers, that 20% changes or for him, like, you know, what made him a good cyclist may have evolved over time, whether that's like cardiovascular capacity or leg strength or whatever it is, something obviously made him just like naturally somewhat proficient at it to the point where like a two minute difference wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, but yeah, that's where, you know, I think trying to not stress over things you can't control. And that's something that I think comes with age and experience and, and wisdom. And I know, you know, you and I are fairly somewhat close, somewhat close in age, but, uh, how old are you? I'm 30. You're 30. Okay. I'm 25. Yeah. It's close okay. enough. Yeah. Half a decade. No, big no deal. it's all good. It's, I was going to, I was going to kindergarten when you were, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's all good. Yeah. There it's we go. Good. Well, at least I wasn't like uh 47, 25. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. close, close enough where, you know, similar pop culture references still apply, you know? Yeah, exactly. You were, uh, no. So you were, I was 89. Yeah. I was gonna say you were almost a nineties baby. It's all good. Almost the nineties. I'm cool. I'm cool with sneaking in the eighties. It's not. I'm right. not it. I mean, if you're fine with being old, I am too. So it's all good. Anyway, let's uh, move <laughs> on to. <laughs> let's uh, no, but 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 seriously, yeah. I think I think it's it's great points. And his main thing with that story is like you you can relax oftentimes and get the same exact result. Yeah, sure, two minutes. But he's not like a cyclist or anything. So he was just trying to beat his own score. But his whole main point was he was like, oftentimes uh, uh, you can relax and, and get the exact same results. Um, and, and and I think that it's it's just a big testament to, to so many different things. Um, but how did you get into, because like like we've talked about, obviously you're you're really aware of the physiology and, and you're, you're a pretty smart dude and know what you're talking about. How did you get into like why, because your kind of niche or whatever you want to call it is more on the, um, hormonal physiological side of things, more than nitty gritty stuff, to be honest. It's like, I, I looked through that shit and I was like, I don't even know what the hell he's talking about. Um, and I went to school and stuff. So it's like, you know, there, but there's so many different areas of the body and hormones are so complex, but like, how did you, how did you get interested in hormones in the first place? A couple, I like a couple things. One, it was definitely a pattern within, I, so I got my first personal training certification when I was about 18 which that in itself was just like the beginning of a quest for knowledge, or maybe I was like 17, 17 or 18 quest for knowledge, just to like figure out how to actually do fitness. Like, how do you do this anyways? This topic is like incredibly confusing at the time, you know, we had the internet, but the, you know, I, maybe I benefited from not having Instagram. There's like more information now, but um, you know, it all started sort of with that certification, but around a similar time. So my, my interest in, what I call like nutritional endocrinology or physiology 
uh, and training and adaptations to that really was because I had a pretty, I had a couple things happen. One was just, I had a concussion snowboarding and TBIs or traumatic brain injuries, concussions can be a main source of stress on the hypothalamus and pituitary. So I ended up going through just kind of like a unusual medical experience for a younger male, uh, which included like MRIs, CT scan stuff, uh, tons of blood work, just because they wanted to make sure that everything was sort of pop. Like, but I, I wasn't getting, based on my habits and level of understanding of like fitness and nutrition was uh, lacking like the same level of stability when it came from like a endocrinology standpoint or uh, hormone standpoint. And, and not that, I, I think for me where it showed up was like, you know, immune system, uh, I, I would get sick more easily, just things that were just something seemed off. And so I ended up having like a lot of different blood work done, a lot of different testing done. And it's, it made me curious. It sort of opened up Pandora's box, um, especially for the clients that, that did have struggles beyond just like tracking calories or, Hey, go to the gym and you're going to do these five exercises for three sets of eight to 12. And you're going to, you know, you can get like a decent chunk of the way there with your fitness goals. Um, so a lot of it was, was personally motivated. I definitely, I don't know why I, maybe we just attracted, it was just kind of like outside my control universe, universe type stuff, but, um, definitely ended up with a tendency to have clients that were a bit more complex in nature. Um, and you know, I, what was interesting is I actually, uh, I think we've, we've discussed this when we met in person, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I actually tried to get away from the fitness industry for a while. I, I got, uh, my master's degree, went into the corporate world. I, um, thought for sure I was going like more of the white collar route instead of having my own business. Uh, you know, people you say were, you were, you were about to go to law school, right? So I got accepted into a JD MBA program. Um, so law and business, um, and, and basically, you know, that was, that was sort of part of my journey where people are like, oh, you can't make money as a personal trainer. And I, but I always sort of had this side hustle of either, you know, I was either online coaching, working at a nutrition store, training people, writing program. I never really ever stopped that. It just always, it just always happened. And so over time, um, you know, I eventually got to a point where I just sort of had to start my business because of, uh, my, my full-time job was sort of conflicting with my schedule where there was just a significant opportunity cost of not being able to work on my business, uh, particularly a, a corporate wellness type relationship I had here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And so ultimately I just sort of jumped ship and went towards fitness and business stuff, but it really was probably within the last two years or so that, uh, you know, sometimes good mentors or good, uh, peers in an industry can serve as sort of a mirror for you. I don't, I don't think I really knew that I knew physiology, if that makes sense. Like I read about it and I was interested in it, but, and I knew like I was doing things with clients that were related to it, but I never would have walked into a room and be like, Hey guys, let me teach you about like thyroid or testosterone, or let me teach you about gut health. It was more, I was just sort of doing it, but I, I didn't really, I, I just became like the local guy. Like if you needed, 
help with nutrition in Raleigh, North Carolina, like go, go to Sam or like I would do seminars at local gyms or in our community of strength and conditioning, you know, there were the power lifter guys. And then there's like, Sam's like, go talk to him about nutrition and supplements, stuff like that. Even though I was, I was always sort of training and, and doing personal training too during that time. So I've always had an interest in fitness and nutrition. But were you doing your, were you doing your other job, your full-time job at the same time as doing this stuff? So basically I worked, uh, I had a full-time job till probably 2016, I think. Okay. So I, I left, so this summer will be my third year of kind of doing my own thing. I think. Okay. If well, I do congratulations. The yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, let's, let's think back on that. Yeah. It would have been May or June of 2016. And, uh, I was always, you know, I would go in, uh, fortunately, so towards the end of, of working for other people, it was a West coast company. So I could stagger my hours a little bit. Some days I'd work like 12 to eight other days I was working like seven to three. So every day I would either train people before work or I would train people after work or do corporate wellness. Uh, and then I would take online nutrition clients would like check in on Fridays. I would answer them on Saturdays when I wasn't at my quote unquote full-time job or day job. And then sometimes I was also working at like a nutrition store uh, and had some local nutrition clients as well. So I was definitely working like 60 to 80 hours a week for sure. So this was a, this was a calculated risk as opposed to, you, I just, I, I'm always interested in if people just completely take the leap from their, their corporate job, they just, you know, I'm completely done with this job. And so now I'm going to go completely into this job, but clearly you've been working on this. I feel like as a side hustle for a while. And now you were like, okay, like you said, the opportunity cost is so great. Um, and you probably enjoyed doing the fitness stuff more. So you were like, you know what, fuck this corporate job. I'm just going to go do this full time. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it wasn't as deliberate as like, I would like for it to sound. I mean, it really, it was kind of this thing where, yeah, I always enjoyed fitness, but it was more so a way to like, I was good at it. I guess it, for me, it was like fitness was a hobby. And based on what I'd been told by a lot of people, fitness is your hobby. Like you're not going to make a lot of money doing that. So you didn't believe it. You didn't believe you could make a lot uh, yeah, of, I make mean, a career for, out of for it. For me, it was a huge self-belief blockade, uh, for a long time, even in having my own business, which is interesting based on the people close to me. And I, I would have theoretically, like I, it makes a lot of sense now that I have my own business and I do sort of entrepreneurial stuff, but at the time it really didn't. And I'm not sure I'm not sure why, but most of my barriers during that time were largely self-imposed leading up till like 2017, 2018. And what I was saying is, you know, I was just, you mentioned being kind of niched down or being on a particular topic. And the truth is, is that I really didn't know that I was until I had peers and mentors asking me questions, you know, whether that was like, um, guys like John or Jason Phillips and people who are like 10 years ahead of me asking me questions. And they're like, wow, dude, do like, you actually know a lot about this. And I was like, I do question mark, you know, do I? <laughs> so it's like getting a little bit of like stamp of a approval certainly helps sometimes, but it was more so there was a need for it. Uh, and, and I basically realized like, Hey, the information probably shouldn't just live in your head. And, uh, you should help other people with it and use it in an industry where sometimes there's a lot of confusing information. So 
as much as I do talk about kind of complicated stuff, I really do try to make it a little bit more friendly than like picking up a textbook and trying to teach yourself uh, physiology or anything like that. But to me, I mean, being completely honest, man, like I, I definitely did not know what I knew until I had someone ask me questions in a way that like required me to explain or like get it out of my brain. And that's where I was saying is that like having good connections, good peers, good mentors, like those people sort of serve as like a mirror for you to realize like where you actually are in your, in your journey. And for me, having that moment made me, I guess, come to the realization like, Hey, you actually, you can do more than just, you know, tell someone how many reps to do in the gym or, or what, you know, calorie level they need. And, uh, I just, for me, it also fit cause I just, I really enjoy learning. And so it constantly requires this, like, you know, digging in, digging in, teaching myself so that I can then help other people with it or, or genuinely kind of answer their questions. So it's been, it's been cool, but I mean, I'd be, I, we talked a little bit about this on Austin's podcast too. He's like, you kind of came out of nowhere and it like, seems like the super calculated, like deliberate thing where you just like dropped out and then you're, you were, you know, uh, or, or dropped out of the sky basically. And then you were at the Arnold classic and then you're like talking about, you know, physiology at the Arnold or talking about nutrition at the Arnold and then, you know, doing, you started popping up on podcasts all at the same time and popping up at events. And it was, it was really like, I was at events and I just tried to connect with people kind of like you. And then it, it sort of was following suit from there. But yeah, I definitely think that the level of intentionality, like I'm a very intentional person. I'm a very much like a driven focused person, but I think sometimes I get, sometimes people give me too much credit in terms of like having it all figured out before I actually got there. Sometimes like when you're in the day to day, all you can really do is execute like your day to day stuff. It's very hard to get, I'm not great. And one of the reasons I do the thing in my morning routine that we talked about earlier is I'm not the best at like sticking with like a three to five year goal. I'm really good. I'm really good at like 90 days. Like give me something to do for like 90 days or like whether it's three months, six months, a year, I can handle that. I can handle a goal for tomorrow or today, but sometimes it can be that vision further out, I'm like, well, what if I decide I want to do something else? Or what if like something, you know, I, it's easy to get kind of with like shiny objects and stuff. So when I have that focus, I think, uh, it, it was basically put me in a place where I was heading in that direction, even if I didn't really fully realize it. And then it took people around me to sort of shed some light on it. And now I'm able to appreciate it and the shoe shoe sort of fits. So I've been sticking with it for now. Cool. Yeah. Good. Good, man. You've, you've clearly, you've clearly done a great, great job. Um, but yeah, I think with the, with the learning, the learning stuff, I've been kind of the same way and I don't usually have, like if people ask what I'm going to do next year or three years or, or whatever, I can't really give them an answer. Cause I don't, my brain doesn't think like that either one, because, um, I know that it's probably not going to end up happening. And two, it just makes me more stressed out and I can't control it anyway. So I'm like, I'm just going to focus on this week or today. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't usually worry about that, but with, with you and, and with, with, with me as well as whenever it comes to learning, we're not going to probably do the same thing for a year from now, hopefully, 
because we've gotten smarter and we we've adjusted our goals along the way you know like you're 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 going along this path and then you learn more information and hopefully you're smarter than you were 6 months ago so that 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 goal that you set 6 months ago it might not be the right goal that ultimately leads you to uh where you want to be in life in whatever 10 years or something like that you have a certain flagship you're going to but the route to get there uh can can alternate right yeah no i like that analogy for sure it's like having it's the difference between like a compass and Google Maps, you know? It's like you can't really plug in your life into this set-by-set like Waze navigation system, but I can I can generally move north, you know, and, and do my best to stay on that course. And then, but also realize that I may come to different decisions and opportunities and kind of forks in the road along the way. So I, it's like being deliberate, but flexible and being consistent and, um, and driven, but also not like having two, uh, like blinders, blinders on, I guess in a way. So yeah, I definitely, I think we have some similarities in that, in that capacity. And it's something that I, I think it can be a gift, but also at sometimes it's, it's hard because you shoot down some of that creative, like, uh, it had a head in the clouds, Sponta- spontaneity, yeah. uh, yeah. spontaneity and like serendipity and, and just yeah, things like exactly. that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I a hundred percent agree. I feel like though those things and, and, and opportunities that you're looking for are going to come more from, because those are, those are, those can be random. Sure. But it's kind of like the whole create your own luck thing. It's the more, more disciplined we are in a day to day and we get shit done over time. Sure. We may be a little bit more rigid in our focus, but this is what allows that spontaneity to pop up and things like you being rigid with your discipline, learning about physiology and hormones and things, even if it may have not been intended, opens up these doors to these people being like, Oh shit, Sam knows what he's talking about whenever it comes to physiology. So I'm going to ask him to come speak about this at my uh, seminar or something like, or, or come on my podcast or whatever. You see what I'm saying? So it can kind of create your own luck by being this uh, quote unquote rigid disciplined type of person. Right? Yeah, no, I love the create your own luck thing. I think uh, people need to put themselves in positions to, to do that. And what's funny is like, Usually when you are creating your own luck, you don't really even know that you're doing it at the time, right? But it's a cool, it's a cool concept. And I definitely, um, definitely align with your sentiments on that for sure. Mm-hmm. And then, so what is, uh, I know you're, you're doing a lot of cool stuff with your uh, coaching program right now. So it's the, it's the, uh, or, oh wait, hold on, Oracle Applied Coaching Methods. I think that's super cool. First off, where, where'd that name come from? So I came up with Applied Science Methods because the problem that I see is people, you know, they seek education and there's kind of a lack of like how to actually apply it. And so using applied science and then methods, I think kind of like having a method to the madness, um, even if that's the first time I've ever said that out loud, but I just liked, you know, applied science methods. So uh, I have a couple programs for coaches. One is the applied science methods mentorship, say that sometimes fast. Uh, And then there's the applied science syndicate so Syndicate's more of a group coaching program, Applied Science Methods. We do a mix of one-to-one and group programming uh, for nutrition coaches, trainers, CrossFit. We've had a couple of nurses and osteopathic doctors go through the program, a few registered dietitians and stuff. Uh, and my main goal is like, I want to take those complicated concepts and turn them into leverage for client goals, which was always kind of my goal when working directly. Um, and I still do have my one-on-one like nutrition and training 
coaching clients as well. Um, but my, my biggest concern or observation out there in the industry is that sometimes people who know the most complex or like quote unquote fanciest information don't necessarily deliver it in a way that's like, you can actually get anything tangible from it. Right. It's not practical. So, yeah. It's not super practical. So I like to walk people through examples. One of the biggest things we do is like actual case studies. Like, yeah, I think hey, it's cool. I love that yeah, concept. Yeah. It's like, get on the phone with me. Let's talk about what, what clients really struggling right now and who do you need to help? Because like they need to stay, you know, on their, their journey towards their transformation. How do you encourage them, motivate them? And like, Sir, I view it as, as, as health professionals, as trainers, nutrition coaches, dietitians, while we certainly aren't doctors or physicians by any means, and we have a very particular scope, we're kind of this like frontline um, advocate or defense like for our clients in their overall health journey and in their lifespan. And we're also play this very important role as a liaison to, to medicine. So as a dietitian or trainer or, or nutrition coach, being able to, you know, arm your clients with the right questions for when they go to the right doctor or what, you know, labs to look at or things to pay attention to for their long-term health, you know, you're not going to ever write the prescription for them, but you can make sure that they get the most out of their time there, that they're actively, you know, if they're seeking optimal wellness or they're seeking like optimal physique or aesthetics or performance, you know, a big part of our job is, is, is serving as that like communication bridge between some complicated stuff uh, or science and their day-to-day -day life and really being um, kind of a intermediary in that situation. And so I try to teach that as much as I can. It's something that I think as Western culture, as, as, a society as we've become more unhealthy or there's more obesity, we have more chronic disease. The Western medicine has shifted towards like emergency care, reactive care, prescriptions, pharmaceutical care. And an emergency medicine is awesome, especially if you're in an accident and you need emergency medicine, but for people who are healthy and just want to be really proactive and, and mindful of their health. Uh, I think right now we have less options available for those people and being able to intelligently guide people in their journey to try and be proactive and try to be healthy, I think is huge because that's awesome. Like if we have a subset of people in our country that, that are already in pretty good health and are seeking out like to be optimal or even better, that's just, that's an amazing thing. I mean, I think that's, you know, that should be acknowledged and celebrated. So, um, trying to help those people who, who do follow the right diet and do follow the right training, but maybe for whatever reason, like they're not quite exactly like feeling their best or something in their biofeedback, like indicates like, Hey, let's take a second look at this. Let's go to the doctor. Like let's, let's get some labs done or something. Uh, it's kind of like peeking under the hood. You know, you could have a really, um, nice classic car that looks awesome on the outside, but like you still need to check the engine from time to time too. Um, so that's, that's sort of where all this begins to, begins to fit. So, um, th those are the applied science programs primarily geared towards, uh, coaches, health professionals, things of that nature. And then, uh, do, I do some work as well, just as far as for individuals and their, their own transformation. Uh, and we just had the nutritional coaching Institute men's health masterclass just came out. So doing that as well as a female metabolism event with Dr. Tita in uh, California later this year as well. So it'll be a cool 
it's a it's a fun fun year mixed i like all the different topics and stuff um and then you know this year i got to do the hormone blueprint ebook as well so if you're interested in learning about those topics that's like a great place to start uh as far as in my content which most of which kind of revolves around my instagram just where i can do some videos photos and stuff like that Right. Yeah, no, I love that. I think it sounds like you, you've clearly got your plate full with everything, but all those, I, I love, I, I love what you're doing. Cause it's, I don't, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody else that's actually doing that. Um, so that's, that's really cool that you're creating that, um, awareness in people that they don't even, they're, they don't, people don't know what they don't know and you're helping fill in that, that void. Right. Thanks, man. Um, so I think, I think that that's, that's really cool. And, uh, so where can, where can people, where can people find all of that stuff? For sure. So great starting point is just my Instagram is Sam Miller science. So it's my first name and my last name and the word science, like all together, we're actually going to be developing a website for that brand as well with like articles and content that'll be coming out soon. Uh, but most of the, so I'll usually cycle through links in bio or have a link tree where you guys can access information from that Instagram page. So that's a great place to start. Uh, and I can always send Matt, uh, some, some links as well for, uh, show notes and, and things so you guys can access that. But most of my educational content, I try to do stories a few times a week. I'll try to do Instagram TV from every now and then, or do some posts that, uh, speak directly to these topics. Uh, we do you know, newsletter for coaches and stuff as well. But usually Instagram is the best place to start. And then we branch out from there. Uh, our current website is oraclefitness.com, but a lot of that'll be moving over to sammillerscience.com uh, over you know the next, next couple months by the time this comes out. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, no, I think, um, that's great, man. I'm, I'm pumped for you and I'm pumped for people to, to hear this episode, to, to learn more about what you do and uh, hopefully benefit from at least one of those things. But yeah, I'll include all of that in the show notes. Uh, and of course, um, yeah, send, send Sam a DM and say what's up. Tell him what you thought of the episode. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, let him know for sure. But uh, cool, man. This was, this was amazing. Again, thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Thanks. I appreciate you having me.